the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Lawmakers doubt Iran will accept a new nuclear deal from the U.S. Perfect storm. And for the Iranians, that's their opportunity. A law professor speculates if Roe v. Wade is overturned, how it might impact the country. Has anything happened that would change? I think we're going to see the tone of the draft opinion change. Former Treasury Secretary is warning the U.S. is headed for a recession. By the end of next year, uh, we would be seeing a recession in the American economy. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast. Your first look at today's top stories for Monday, June 20th. I'm Mike Scott. Russia has said its forces seized a village near Ukraine's industrial city of Severodonetsk, a prime target in Moscow's campaign to control the country's east. The defense ministry said Sunday it won a settlement that had fewer than 800 people before the war began. A Russian state news agency reported many Ukrainian fighters had surrendered there. Meantime, Russia's war in Ukraine is spreading a deadly litter of explosives that is disrupting planting and harvesting, complicating efforts to rebuild homes and villages. Ukraine is now one of the most mined countries in Europe, with civilians killed or wounded every week. Ukraine says an area the size of Arizona needs clearing. Military affairs analyst, retired Lieutenant Colonel Robert McGinnis, tells the Salem Radio Network one reason why there are so many unexploded devices is poor manufacturing by Russia. A lot of their mortar and artillery rounds do not explode upon impact. They're, either the fuses are bad or the powder and, you know, it, you know the pack powder is, is contaminated. McGinnis says this is a similar situation to previous wars. Much like, you know, during World War one in World War Two, uh, entire areas were contaminated with unexploded munitions. Not mines necessarily. Of course, there are mines that are out there, uh, but unexploded munitions that could go off at any point. The military expert went on to say that defusing these bombs will take a tremendous amount of time. This will be an explosive ordnance uh, demolition team's um, dream of the future. They'll be employed for many years after uh, this war, assuming the war comes to an end at a timely time. Israel is concerned about Iran's nuclear and missile development. This past week, Iran disabled more than two dozen UN Atomic Energy Agency monitoring cameras as international tensions remain high over Tehran's nuclear program. In the U.S., Senators in both parties, briefed recently by senior Biden administration officials on negotiations with Iran, say they doubt Tehran will agree to any new deal to limit its development of nuclear weapons. Lawmakers say the administration has an offer on the table, but 
that Iran is showing little willingness to reestablish the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, which placed significant restrictions on its nuclear program in exchange for sanctions relief. Speaking with the Salem Radio Network, former Israeli ambassador to the U.S. Michael Oren is worried that Iran may try to take advantage of political instability in Israel. Israeli government's falling apart. The world attention is focused on Ukraine. Uh, it's an ideal situation. It's a perfect storm. And for the Iranians, that, that's their opportunity. Oren tells the Hugh Hewitt Show about Iran's escalation of its nuclear program. I'm deeply concerned. They're concerned about the the coming weeks, even days, uh, as Iran continues not just to dig down, but also to race forward and enrich uranium in greater quantities and at a higher level of enrichment. Oren says that Iran has hidden its program to thwart attempts by Israel to knock it out. Iran's nuclear program is an archipelago. It's many facilities, some of which are deeply underground. Part of the Natanz facility is underground, but the Fordow facility is under a mountain. And Iran is a much bigger country, and it's much further away. So just uh, tactically, it is a vastly more complicated operation. As the Supreme Court decision on Roe v. Wade looms, some progressive prosecutors around America are declaring they won't enforce some of the most restrictive and punitive anti-abortion laws in GOP-led states as protests heat up across the country. Anti-abortion laws in the U.S., for the most part, do not explicitly target pregnant women for punishment. Instead, they tend to target physicians who could face the loss of their medical license and lengthy prison sentences for performing the procedure illegally. Yet enforcement of these laws will fall largely onto the shoulders of district attorneys who wield wide discretion over whom to charge with crimes. In 2020, more than 70 prosecutors from blue districts around the country publicized that they would not bring charges under increasingly stringent laws that states have passed against abortion. Loyola Law School professor Jessica Levinson joined the Inside California Politics podcast to discuss when the Supreme Court decision on Roe v. Wade is expected and how it might impact states and how it will influence other controversial issues in the future. So I think the ruling will be issued sometime between now and July 4th. Typically, these really big rulings come the last week of June. There are a lot of decisions left. We're in the second half of June now, so we could see the court going into the first week of July. Has anything happened that would change? I think we're going to see the tone of the draft opinion change. I think we will see the language change, but the punchline is going to be the same, which is there is no longer a federal constitution, excuse me, a protection in the federal constitution for abortion. And I think where we might see the most movement is that language that Justice Alito had, where he said, don't worry, this is just abortion. This isn't other rights like gay marriage. He might add a little bit to that. 
Levinson weighs in on where she believes the bulk of litigation will happen should Roe v. Wade be overturned. We need to see the details of those executive orders. I mean, we know a couple things, which is an executive order is different from a legislative act. And so the chief executive, the president, only has power in certain areas. We know that once an executive order is found to be valid, that is the supreme law of the land. It would trump any state law. Where I think originally we're going to see the most litigation with respect to the federal government and the state is maybe in terms of providing women in states that have banned abortion with abortion pills, because the FDA allows that. Some states are already moving to ban it. And that's where I think maybe immediately we might see that battle between federal government and states. We're also going to see a battle between states. Some states saying, you can come here, you can travel here to obtain an abortion, like California. Other states like Missouri trying to outlaw that type of travel or criminalize it. So we're going to see federal government versus states and states versus states. Levison says that should Roe be overturned, there may be a push to eliminate abortion at a federal level in the future. But for the time being, it will simply be decided by the states. The decision that the court we think will make in Dobbs is basically we're going to leave it up to the states. There's no protection in the federal constitution. So states, if you want to create a state constitutionally based right to privacy or right to obtain abortion, go ahead. And we see, for instance, uh, just recently, the Iowa Supreme Court has said, no, there is no right to obtain an abortion in our state constitution. We're going to see more of this. Now, eventually, where will there be a challenge where on the federal level, people try and push and say, no state can allow abortion? Yes, I think eventually that's the next step. But in the immediate short term, it does not set up a clash. Levison believes, in her opinion, that the Obergfell case that establishes a federal right for same-sex marriage could be at risk. We're talking about a right to marry that is protected under the federal constitution. We could go back to what we used to have, which is state by state, kind of a patchwork of laws. Why do I think that's vulnerable? Because the draft opinion that we saw Justice Alito basically says, I don't see anywhere in the Constitution that we have written either a right to obtain an abortion or a right to privacy. But by that rationale, we also don't have the right to marry. That's also not written in the Constitution. And so other, these unenumerated, unwritten rights could be in jeopardy. What's the timeline? I think those challenges will start working their way through the courts. I don't think the Supreme Court wants that case right away. So we could see them kind of deny certif- uh, certification, say, no, we don't want to hear that for a few years. So I don't think this is a year from now, maybe five years, maybe 10 years, we'll be having that conversation. Okay. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg says he's pushing airlines to hire more customer service agents and take other steps to help travelers this summer. Daybreak Insider's Bernie Bennett takes a look at that story. Buttigieg tells reporters his department could take enforcement action against airlines that fail to meet consumer protection standards, although he thinks that won't be necessary. Buttigieg says he wants to see how the airlines do over the July 4th holiday weekend and the rest of the summer. He held a virtual meeting Thursday with airline executives where they described steps their companies are taking to avoid a repeat of the Memorial Day weekend, where about 2,800 flights were canceled. Bernie Bennett in Washington. Republicans are pointing out what they say are flaws in the Biden administration's approach to fighting inflation. 
A Republican conference held a news conference this week citing examples of mismanagement at the White House as Americans face rising costs at the grocery store and the gas pump. Vice Chair Mike Johnson of Louisiana says inflation is now entrenched due to the policies of the Biden administration. Johnson went on to say that the president has misled the American people on inflation. First, the Biden administration informed all of us that inflation was transitory. Then they told us that inflation had peaked. Last week's CPI numbers tell another story. And in fact, Biden's policies have resulted in inflation being entrenched. Johnson went on to say that the president has reversed the bipartisan progress made to fix the economy during the pandemic. As our economy reopened in late 2020, our kids went back to school, our businesses figured out how to cope with the daily threat of COVID, and Operation Warp Speed delivered therapeutics and vaccines. House and Senate Republicans successfully worked to tailor and end the massive federal fiscal stimulus. Johnson went on to say that House Republicans have pleaded with the president to work with them in order to reduce the rise of inflation. As Biden took office, we urged him, give flexibility for the trillion dollars of money left unspent from the COVID uh, support. Work with Republicans to get people back to work. Wisconsin Republican Mike Gallagher also spoke with the Salem Radio Network about the backlash Democrats in Congress and the White House could face in November. Does the president actually believe what he's saying? Or, or does he believe in his cynical strategy that just calling this a lie or blaming Putin or blaming the Republicans or coming up with a new social media slogan like Ultra MAGA is going to have any impact at all? And if so, who's advising him that this is a good strategy? Gallagher also believes the president has misled Americans about high prices and inflation. The price at the pump doesn't lie. It's not it's not a made up fantasy. I mean, it impacts every working family in America every single day. Gallagher says the president will face a backlash at the polls if he doesn't completely reverse course. The president has shown no humility, no willingness to change course, no willingness to engage with basic economic reality. And until he does, it's going to get worse for him politically. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen says she expects the U.S. economy to slow in the months ahead, but that a recession is not inevitable, in her opinion. She's offering a dose of optimism even as storm clouds grow darker and economists grow extremely worried about a recession fueled by skyrocketing inflation and the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Yellen told ABC's This Week that overall consumer spending in the U.S. remains strong, while noting that some spending patterns are changing, given the impact of skyrocketing food and energy costs. I expect the economy to slow Uh, It's been growing at a very rapid rate as the economy, as the labor market has recovered and we have reached full employment. It's natural now that we expect a transition to steady and stable growth. But I don't think a recession is at at all inevitable. The Treasury Secretary says it is her opinion that there are many reasons for why inflation is still unacceptably high. Inflation is really unacceptably high. 
Um, part of the reason is uh, Russia's war on Ukraine, his boosted energy and food prices in the United States and globally. It's important to recognize that um, the United States is certainly not the only advanced economy suffering from high inflation. We see it in UK, we see it uh, in France, Germany, Italy, um, and the causes of it um, are, are global, not local. Supply chain uh, snarls, um, partly resulting from lockdowns in China, are also boosting inflation. And so um, these, these factors are unlikely to diminish immediately. Meanwhile, former Treasury Secretary Larry Summer says that, in his opinion, the U.S. is headed for a recession. I don't think there are historical precedents for inflation at the rate we now have it coming down uh, to the target the Fed has set of 2% without a uh, recession. I think all the precedents point uh, towards a recession, recession, Chuck. There's always a first time for everything, and I don't want ever to make uh, forecasts with uh, certainty. Summers explains that looking at various evidence in the economy, he sees a recession on the horizon. If you look at a whole range of indicators, if you look at what's happened in markets, if you look at the relative levels of interest rates of different durations, if you look at surveys of consumer uh, expectations, and if you look at the simple fact that what drives inflation is supply and demand. Supply doesn't change that fast. And so mostly what you need to do to reduce inflation is reduce demand. And that is a very hard process to control. And so it usually leads to a recession. Summers goes on to speculate that the recession may hit by the end of 2023. All of that tells me that while I wouldn't presume to be able to judge uh, the timing, uh, the dominant probability would be that by the end of next year, uh, we would be seeing a recession in the American economy. Yellowstone National Park is celebrating its 150th anniversary as it faces its biggest challenge in decades. Daybreak Insider's Bob Agnew is taking a look at the reopening of the National Park following devastating flooding. Floodwaters that tore through the park this week destroyed potentially hundreds of bridges, washed out miles of roads, and drove out more than 10,000 visitors. The scope of the damage still being tallied up by Yellowstone Park officials, but based on other National Park disasters, it could take years and cost upwards of $1 billion to rebuild the environmentally sensitive landscape. Park officials hope to reopen the southern half of the park next week. The northern half likely won't reopen until next year. Bob Agnew reporting. And finally, SpaceX completed a record triple header early on Sunday, launching a Globestar communications satellite from Cape Canaveral after putting a German radar satellite in orbit from California Saturday and launching a 53 Starlink Internet satellite from the Kennedy Space Center. Three, two, one, zero. Ignition. And liftoff. 
Vehicle pitching downrange. Stage one proportion is nominal. The Globestar launch capped the fastest three-flight cadence for an orbit-class rocket in modern space history as the company chalked up its 158th, 59th, and 160th Falcon 9 flights in just 36 hours and 18 minutes. More than 50 other launches are expected by the end of the year. In a launch announcement, SpaceX quality engineer Andy Tran says the Falcon 9 rocket is carrying the SARA-1 satellite from Germany as its payload. The SARA-1 satellite was designed and built by Airbus. Upon its completion, the four-ton satellite was transported from Germany to our launch site in Vandenberg, California. Tran explains the liftoff process to deliver the payload, which is a reconnaissance satellite for Germany, into space. There are nine Merlin engines that will get Falcon 9 off the ground and up to the thinner parts of Earth's atmosphere. The two stages will then separate from one another. The second stage continues to orbit while the first stage makes its way back down to Earth for its landing attempt back on land. Globestar operates a constellation of satellites that provide voice and data services to users around the world. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider Podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at SRNNews.com and TownHall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.